You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this edition of our RSAC 365 podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Casey Zirkus, Senior Content Manager with RSA Conference. And our content theme for the month of October is CISO Speaks. And today we're talking with Michael Hiskey, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at CISO Executive Network. Before I turn it over to Michael to introduce himself, I want to remind our listeners that here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on your preferred podcast app so that you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now I'd like to ask Michael to take a moment to tell us about himself before we dive into today's topic. Michael, over to you. Thank you so much. It's exciting to be here. My name is Michael Hiskey. I live in New York. I am the Chief Strategy Officer, as you said. I have spent a bunch of time over the last few years, having come from the cybersecurity space, working on community and how cyber leaders especially can better interact with each other for sharing and best practices and whatnot. I love that. And I love that you are here to share those thoughts and ideas with our listeners today. So thanks so much for joining me. Let's talk about cyber leaders. Can you explain to our listeners why they are in a unique position where they need to share? So cybersecurity is one of the very few adversarial businesses in the world. What I mean by that is, you know, Coke and Pepsi are competitors, right? They compete with each other, but they're all nice people in both organizations, right? In cybersecurity, there's actually a bad guy on the other end. There's someone who is a threat actor that wishes to do harm to one or many people or the public in general. So it's unique in that they need to team up and best practices and sharing and and interaction and, and really support is the only way that they can overcome all the things that are placed in front of them. It's interesting as you're saying that I'm thinking about, you know, like law enforcement agencies or (laughs) medical. Did you sort of develop these strategies by looking at um, examples from other sectors or industries to help you navigate this community building strategy? You know, interestingly, at last year's RSA conference, I worked on a on a presentation with a colleague of mine, and she focused that on comparing first responders with cyber leaders and some of the similar strategies to constant stress, uh, PTSD type, you know, so much pressure all the time, and the need for camaraderie. So yeah, there's a lot of commonalities between those things that you've drawn. So, you know, with the cybersecurity industry, different from law enforcement and other industries, there is, yes, this unique need to share, but also a reluctance to share. Why is that? You know, there's somewhat of a reluctance, but, you know, I'll, I'll, as I give you a comparison, if there were two CIOs from two large banks in New York sitting next to each other in a meeting, they probably wouldn't share very much. They'd be pretty tight-lipped. But you'll find with CISOs, those two leaders would look at each other and say, are are you seeing these threats? Oh, you know, we saw an attack just like that last week. You know, let me get you an email over to some of the CVEs we saw or some of the specific vulnerabilities they were looking after. Now, they're still not divulging secrets, but you'll find, I think, among cyber leaders that I've spoken to, some of that reluctance really falls away because their need to interact trumps that. 
that is in, indeed one way that, you know, they can move beyond this reluctance, right? That they feel confident that they're not disclosing any proprietary information, right? Um, how does building community or focusing on helping building community help to better protect against cyber threats? You know, the power of community is really about career development. As a CISO, you're really only offered on-the-job training, right? Nobody sits you down and says, right, this is how to be a CISO. Right? I mean, they're, and they're starting to be now, right? Because we're kind of approaching second generation of CISOs. I know folks that are retiring that were the first one in. Uh, but the role is still younger than the CFO or the CIO, for example. But that interaction is key to learning about commonalities between threats. If I'm seeing attacks, you're seeing the same attacks. If I came across a, a certain breach vulnerability, you probably came across that or, or didn't yet. So sharing and understanding what other leaders are seeing is part of the help. The other part of that is just saving them time. I, I've had a, a, a CISO in, in one of the meetings we were in that told me he saved $200,000 of consulting fees because he was able to talk to another leader, another cybersecurity leader that had the same problem he was about to attack and had 45 minutes of great knowledge on what to do and what not to do that he would have paid a lot of money to try and figure out. You know, listening to you, it makes me obviously think of the ISACs, right? The information sharing mm -hmm. collaborations, which we know are meant to collaborate and share information. But also essential is this relationship building that you speak to. So what are some additional strategies and even technologies that can help CISOs enhance the overall security posture of an organization? You know, this is something that they're going to have to get better at overall. Now, first of all, the big picture thing I'd say is, getting out there and getting involved. You know, any conference, any leader interaction, those are good. You know, the ones I'm involved with and the reason why I came to do what I do are, are very much about community writ large, right? There's a lot of lip service to sort of, oh, we're a community, but you know, that's more than a list of people. It's actually rolling up your sleeves, taking off your tie and sharing, right? Sort of being vulnerable with each other. So that happens at a lot of interactions, but focusing on the ones that are very peer-to-peer -peer focus are certainly helpful. Now, I started this by saying they need to get out of their own way. As cybersecurity people, they're naturally skeptical. So you'll find a lot of cybersecurity leaders are not verbose on their LinkedIn profile, for example. So that method doesn't necessarily help them. Now, there's probably a few reasons for that. Besides just not wanting to give away too much public information, they also don't want to give a whole lot of stuff that are going to help uh, vendors bark up their tree and try to sell them stuff, of course. That kind of sharing is helpful. Whatever kind of community you can be involved in, and in particular, these peer-to-peer -peer network interactions that are available and you can find really help build you know, several things for you as a leader. Uh, there's business benefit as we've talked about, but helping them build their own personal brand. You know, the average tenure for a CISO, depending upon what statistic you look at is, you know, 30 or 40 months. So there's always a, an idea of keeping an eye out for your own career. But there's also this camaraderie, and this is really important. Preserving your own mental health as a cybersecurity leader. You know, support when times are tough. There's a relentless barrage of attacks 
it is something that they need to talk about to work through. And cybersecurity people are natural problem solvers, right? So they tend to want to do it themselves. And at some point, you can't do it all yourself. And there is an unending number of challenges. And then finally, along the line of that support, there's a lot of commonalities among cybersecurity leaders, you know, fighting with the CIO, there's not enough budget, those troublesome carbon-based life forms that we call staffers in our organizations are often clicking things they never should, and it adds a lot of stress. So they need to be able to support each other. And I would imagine also it's important to think about the broader community and the trickle-down effect of building that community from the top and the culture that that can establish both within an organization and across silos, right? This connects really well to what we lovingly refer to as the cybersecurity skills shortage or the cybersecurity skills gap. Right, and, and I've worked with a, with a foundation called the Cybersecurity Gatebreakers Foundation that's working on this, trying to make more cybersecurity jobs available to more people. And the saying that we have is sort of saying there's a cybersecurity skills gap or a shortage of cybersecurity people to fill the jobs is kind of like saying there's a shortage of people to fill the general manager job at a hotel. Well, there's really no shortage of people. There's lots of hotel staff, right? But the ones that are chosen, the ones that are given the opportunity to get into those leadership roles, those are few. So the corollary here is that that trickle-down effect is so important, and it really helps build the farm team, build the next generation of cybersecurity leaders, because we're at an inflection point where there's a constant need to add those skills. So in order to get them, we have to go outside of the normal areas we look, right, which is generally IT and technology people, to other walks of the business and other walks of our professional lives to find people with the raw skills that could be helpful. And that has to trickle down from the top from the cybersecurity leaders. And it's very tightly connected to this idea of building an extended community. Great advice. And I remember having a conversation with Hugh Thompson uh, last year, and he equated the interwoven digital connected world that we live in to a game of Jenga, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, if you pull one piece out, you could potentially strengthen the tower and make it taller, but it can also knock the whole thing down, right? That each of us plays such an important role, whether it's, you know, the global enterprise or the small business. So if you could give our listeners one immediate action item, the first step that they can take to help improve the collaboration and that community building, what would it be? Well, a lot of times people don't go quickly to these peer-to-peer -peer interactions or to a conference because they don't think they have that much to share. They think they're gonna be a, a taker as opposed to a giver. Realistically, everyone has something to share. So I would say the first thing to do is sort of take an inventory of what you're good at and what have you done that's sort of unique in your career or even of, of late that you've done. And then juxtapose that with what could you learn from the community? You know, what kind of challenges may be on your desk today that other leaders have probably gone through? Or what kind of challenges do you see coming up in the near future that you think other organizations that would be willing to share their experiences 
could tell you about. And armed with those two things, now you're ready to get into some of these peer-to-peer interactions that you could find in many different walks and become a real active member of the community, which strengthens all of us. Michael, thank you so much for being here. This has been a great conversation. And I so appreciate you being part of the RSAC community and helping to bring others together. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. To find products and solutions related to C-Suite View, we invite you to visit rsaconference.com forward slash marketplace. Here you'll find an entire ecosystem of cybersecurity vendors and service providers who can assist with your specific needs. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year round. Until next time.